Joyride podcast. John is my name. And Ian is my name. And it's 2022, everybody, the year we've all been waiting for. It is the year society fixed itself and everything went back to normal, and there was no more crazy news stories about COVID or sleaze or anything like that. Everything is just fine and quiet and normal. It's wonderful, isn't it? Well, I don't know if I can answer that question until uh, Sue Gray concludes an investigation. <laughs> oh, oh dear! It took I've just decided. I've decided. Minute. Yeah, I've decided. I'm just going to say that to anything now. Like, if my wife says to me, "Like, did you put the kettle on?" It's like, well, I'm afraid it would only be appropriate to answer that question when Sue Gray concludes her investigation. <laughs> That's a matter for Sue Gray's investigation. There was a story. There was like a you know, like I mean, I don't know what we're going to talk about today. I imagine we're probably mostly going to talk about the party stuff. Yes. There was one of the things they were talking about. They were, um, it was, I think it was just, I mean, it's happening so fast. I think it was Friday where a, a, a Downing Street spokesperson came out and announced that there'd been an apology sent to Buckingham Palace from Downing Street. Mm. And one of the journalists asked the spokesperson, Were you at that party? Um, that you're apologising about and he, and he literally just said well I'm afraid it would only be appropriate to comment on that after Sue Gray's investigation <laughs> and it's like I mean I, I was watching the BBC news yesterday and the BBC presenters and journalists are now joking about this Sue Gray thing it's become I mean I said to my wife yesterday it's actually like when Theresa May couldn't say anything but strong and stable where yeah. every single minister they get on telly now they'll say Prime Minister's apologised which he was right to do and I think the British public will now want to wait and see what Sue Gray has to say. And that's it. That's their answer to every single question. I know. It's um, quite stunning, really, isn't it? It's quite stunning that the simple questions... Well, Bor- Boris Johnson himself did it the day before... Was it the day before? Two days yeah. before? Yeah, it was, was the day before. Parliament. The day before yeah. he apologised in Parliament, yep. They asked, were you at the party? And he was like, well, I, think it's, I think it's only appropriate to wait until Sue Gray. And I was like, no, no, no. Were you at a party? Is it a yes or no answer? I know. But it was the way he said it. You didn't do it right because he was like, I think we need to wait for the best victory by Sue Gray. It's the way they now talk about Sue Gray as if like, I mean, we do all know who she is because we keep hearing her name. Yes. Um, I was watching Channel 4 News on Friday night and I counted, I think, at least 25 times they mentioned Sue Gray's name. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's biz- and that was in an hour. It's bizarre how many different ways and times they can mention this civil who doesn't actually have any power to do anything and they were no, talking about this they were talking about this in the news just the BBC and I was quite glad to hear the BBC doing this because they don't always do that but they were saying like I mean she is just a civil servant Boris is her boss ultimately she'll come back with some facts and then Boris will decide whether or not he brought the ministerial code and that's it yep nothing's gonna nothing nothing will actually come out of this other than yeah I mean we know there are parties we know there have been lots of parties. We know that Boris attended some of these parties, and we know these parties were against the law and against COVID guidelines. Why do you need an investigation? We know that. And it's like you said, where you're at a party, if you can't answer that question without saying, we need to wait and see what Sue Gray says, then the answer is clearly, yes, you were. Yes. Which is that that spokesperson, when they were asked, were you at that party? And they said, well, you need to wait for Sue Gray's investigation. It's like, well, so that's a yes then. 
clearly. I know. And we're we're over a month into this, and so far the only person who's resigned is the person who didn't go to a party. Yeah. <laughs> I know, <laughs> which is um, which is really quite well. You tough. see what they're now. I mean, I, I mean, you know what they're calling this. What the operation is to keep Boris in a job is is Operation Big Dog. It's Operation Save Big Dog. Save Big Dog, which he clearly came up with himself, which says so much about how he sees himself. <laughs> but there was a really, I mean, it's not funny because like it's not, and that's the, that's the thing. It's not funny. But there, there was a there was a sort of um, a story that would ordinarily be quite funny if the if the kind of Events surrounding this were so tinged with tragedy and horror. But did you see the story in the Metro yesterday? No, definitely a- about no. the puppy gate. The pup. Oh yes, no, I did. I apologize. <laughs> yes, explain to the listeners because they may ba- have missed that one. Basically, when Boris was isolating, he kept coming out of his isolation room and like going up to people, and eventually, to keep him in the room that he was meant to be staying in in isolation. They had to put like a barrier of chairs. They said it was like, a, they called it like what you would do if you had a puppy and you were trying to keep a puppy in a certain space of a room. So they erected a kind of ramshackle puppy gate with like office chairs in front of a door to stop Boris just walking in and out of this room. Because apparently they said he didn't think the rules applied to him, which kind of like sums up all of this really, doesn't it? <laughs> but I just think it's funny that he's now calling it Operation Save Big Dog when his own staff were making what they were calling a puppy gate. So they see him as a puppy. He's, he sees himself as the big dog. Oh, it's 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 absolutely flabbergasted, it's, isn't it? The reason it's causing so much anger, though, is because it touches everybody. You know, even there was a news, one of the, the newsreaders, a guy on BBC the other night, and he was talking about how his brother had died of COVID and how he couldn't see him. And you could see he was angry. And that's the thing. All these journalists, even the ones we don't like, they were all doing the same as we were. They were all obeying, you know, yeah. most of them anyway. Obviously, Kay Burley and some of the Sky stuff. But they, like, they got suspended for, yes. you know, going to a party. Um, but it's because it's touched everybody. Everybody knows someone that had a funeral where there was only like four people there. And people went through... I mean, it, it's not just people who lost somebody in the time of the pandemic. I mean... We were we, my wife and I were talking about various things. Like our son was ill last year; he had appendicitis, and I wasn't allowed to go and visit him in hospital. And he was really ill. It was a point where he was kind of almost at death's door. I wasn't allowed to go in because of COVID. Mm. Um, and we were just talking about all the other things. Like we got married last year, and it had to be like a kind of very small, low key, low key wedding. My dad's sister passed away last year of COVID. And he went to a funeral and there was only five in there. He couldn't go up and hug his relatives. And everybody has stories like that. And that's where it stops being funny. When you think of all the things that you did or you did differently and they weren't doing it. And there was a guy, there was a there was a man, it was a, a funeral director phoned up James O'Brien on Friday. I was listening to the James O'Brien radio show on Friday. And he was in tears saying he felt stupid because... He'd been turning people away from like the relative's funeral, and he said, "I now feel stupid," you know, because mm. th- that was Jacob Rees-Mogg's response. During the yes. was the rules were just too strict, so yeah. people My- shouldn't have been obeying them. Michael Portillo was on television. Um, I only saw it via social media, but he was on television this morning saying, saying essentially the same things. They were too cruel. The 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 rules, and 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 we can have that debate until the cows come home, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, but it was the people who were having the party were the people that set the rules. So yeah. therefore, they, they're the only ones who don't get to make that argument. No, they don't. 
And they were the ones that were telling the police to behave in a draconian manner yeah. and punish exactly. people for stupid things like... I, I mean, I, even... Yeah, go on. Go on. No, go on. No, I was going to say, this time last year, in fact, pretty much was this time last year because we were in the midst of lockdown three. Uh, I remember... Because uh, if you remember, about this time last year, we, unlike the Omicron thing, uh, there were fewer people who you knew got COVID. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, I know you, you with you having kids at school, probably it was maybe maybe a bit more common, but the, it was it was relatively few people that you knew had COVID. And certainly in, a, in my workplace at the time, no one had had COVID. And then um, one of my colleagues tested positive for it uh, on sort of, I think it was on the, on the Tuesday she tested positive, but she'd been in work on the Monday. Uh, and... There was a bit of a panic in the office because obviously this was pre-vaccinations and everything. Um, and there was a bit of a panic. I take it the panic was like you were panicking because that was the person that was meant to go out and buy the wine fridge <laughs> to be delivered <laughs> well, to your office. Suitcase. Oh, she, she had the suitcase, suitcase with the booze. Right. Uh, but but no, I remember is is that we were all saying sort of saying, so what's the deal for us then? She's mm. tested positive, she works in our office, she was in here yesterday. What does that mean for us? Um and we were kind of like, do we need to go and get tested? You know, this is just amongst ourselves. And one of the managers came out and said, was she within two meters of you? And we were like, mm. she did come in and talk to us yesterday afternoon. Um, I, I, I think she was two meters. Because if she wasn't two meters yeah. away from you, then she'll, we'll have to discipline her for not being, for, and yourselves for not being two meters apart. Um, because just before Christmas, there'd been in another office nearby us, people had stayed behind after work uh, one day uh, and had a couple of drinks and um, had been properly disciplined for it. You know, they'd been properly given into trouble, hauled over the coals. Uh, no one was fired, admittedly, but they, they had to face the disciplinary process uh, because of it. And, um, and that was one time. And I know. And so they, was, so you didn't have a culture of Wine Friday at your work? We certainly did not. And we certainly had, you know, there was properly threats of you could face mm. disciplinary procedures, even yeah. if you just start having a conversation with somebody less than two meters apart. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit like, and this was what was going on at exactly the same time in Downing Street. And do you know the other thing, which really, I know they kind of say there's a lot of conversation at the moment about a culture rots from the top and all that is certainly true. But we used to work in the same organization. Imagine if we'd, uh, and we did sometimes, uh, you know, go for works night out, which were yeah. actually out. Uh, but imagine if we'd been invited to a party at our boss's house and we'd broken his kid's swing. I know. We wouldn't, I know. <laughs> we wouldn't even dream of going near that swing. No. Not, I mean, never mind in a pandemic, just a normal time, you would not go on your boss's child's swing and then break it. Because the level of, you know, the 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 consequences yeah. of that. Yeah. But apparently in Downing Street that was fine. So what does that say about him? Well, we don't, well, you know, they had to make a puppy gate for him. That's what they think about him. <laughs> they had to treat him like a toddler or a puppy and stop him from getting out of a room because Ooh. he couldn't stay in the room. It's, it's And yet it's still amazing. hearing these people come on the telly and say, because they were working long hours and I don't think anyone should really begrudge them having a few drinks 
And you think, see if they'd showed footage of doctors and nurses sitting in the gardens of a hospital mm. having a, like, bring your own booze party. Can you imagine the level of outrage there would have been? Exactly. People I mean, would have been appalled at that. Yeah. Or teachers, if they showed teachers at school yes. on a Friday afternoon after school, sitting in a garden outside in the summer, you know, join the like they were told to do, and they'd all brought a carryout. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think back to, like, I mean, in lockdown, the first lockdown, we would have arguments about who could take the dog out because, you know, I'd already done like 15 minutes outside. I couldn't go back. You know, it was that. It was exactly. so strict. And yeah, like these people that were phoning up James O'Brien, you do start to feel a bit stupid. You're like, were we all just being ridiculous? Were we, were we all being too strict? Exactly. Um, were we too too strict on ourselves? Was I being too strict on my kids? I mean, I, my son, had to he had to isolate two or three times last year. And we had him properly in his bedroom. We would put a tray of food at the door, knock the door, walk away, leave him. He would text us to say when he was going to the bathroom, and we were so strict about it. And there's Boris. They have to. I mean, we at no point did we have to. He would have been fifteen or sixteen at the time. At no point did we have to put chairs in front of the door to stop him getting out because he knew that he was isolating for a week. Or for, it was four, back then. It was fourteen days, which is seems terrifying that you actually used to have to isolate for fourteen days. Yeah. As someone who's just, I mean, I this today. I mean, you know this. Obviously, the listeners don't. But I mean, I've. This today is my first day out of isolation because I've had COVID. My entire family's had COVID. Yeah. Um, and we that we were supposed to do, we got um, you know, the kids didn't go to school. Um, we stopped all contact with anybody. We we spoke to anyone that had been in contact with us. They all got, you know, PCR tests. But you just feel really stupid. You're like, you know, should we just have ignored that? Should we just have sent the kids to school with COVID? Just done what Boris would have done. Well, do you know what the, the interesting thing about that, what you're just saying there is, of course, is he goes to the House of Commons on Wednesday, gives his apology, which uh, goes down like a lead balloon. Not, I mean, we all knew how Keir Starmer would react, uh, but it was more the, his backbenchers, how they reacted, which was the problem. And also the entire media narrative wasn't shifted. It just kind of doubled down. But yeah. then his somebody in his family tests positive for COVID yeah. and now apparently he can't come out of the house. But the guidelines have changed. That's not what you're meant to do anymore. No, exactly. Unless he's symptomatic, he's supposed to be taking a lateral flow test every morning. If he's fine, go about your business. That's but what we've been told. On the Wednesday morning, I was watching the BBC Breakfast Show and they were saying the Prime Minister's just gone past us and he's lying on the floor of the car. Um, they're like, he's there because the motorcade's there and they don't tend to do that unless the Prime Minister's there. Um, but they said you couldn't see him. So he was obviously lying either under a blanket or on the floor of the car so he couldn't be seen. I, mean, I don't know what he thought was going to happen. I don't know. Like somebody would shout a question at him. He might have to answer it through a window. <laughs> Sue Gray! But, but it's just so, like... And, and the thing is, we've just all kind of let him get away with that. Well, we haven't. You and I have been quite critical of it, but the society in general, the media, yeah. but, but and that's like, the thing. It's listening yeah. to all these, even you know, like the Mail and the Express are now talking about him, and you think this is not the first time he's behaved like this. This has been Boris's behaviour for twenty or thirty since we've known Boris. This has been his behaviour. It's been his, it's, and it's always been a case of what can I get away with, and how do I get away with it, and how do I delay getting into trouble for this thing? Yeah, and it just it does feel this time because so much of what he's done. I think some people, you know, I think a lot of people, like members of the public, look at politicians or people who lie and people who cheat and think for getting away with that. You know, if I was in that position, I would have affairs or I would try and get extra money or I would try and get my friend's jobs. And they're like, you know, good for him. He's just doing what a guy would do who wants to get money. 
But this time, because even a lot of his supporters will have been observing the rules and missed funerals and missed births and missed all kinds of things. That's the difference this time. And I don't, I, I mean, they were, t- they were talking about him on the news this morning and they were saying like Boris is made of Teflon and, you know, people always say that he's finished and, you know, don't write him off just yet. But it does feel that and it's, this is not, even even when the Sue Gray, because even after the Sue Gray thing is done, there'll be more stories will come out. And what's he going to say? Oh, we're going to bring Sue Gray back to exonerate me yeah. again. I, I think that's the thing is, I mean, the smoke, the big closest thing we have to a smoking gun is, it, and to be honest, I am in no way a monarchist. And I've, I've often said that, you yeah. know, get rid of the whole thing. But for the first time, I can genuinely see how the monarchy unites a nation in the sense that that mm. picture of the Queen Absolutely. sitting by herself is is the distillation of exactly what you're saying is the person mm-hmm. that's fixed to the rules. Well, it's the it's the fact that her she'd lost her husband of whatever eighty odd years, and you think she, and I, I don't think anyone would, would have begrudged her sitting with some of her family, but she sat mm-hmm. on a pew completely alone, looking quite dignified and very respectful of what the nation were going through. Yes, and then you find out twelve hours prior to that they were having a a bevy party at Downing Street, breaking Wilfred Swings, sending out for suitcases of beer. And it's just, that's not, that they keep showing that image of her sitting on her own in black, looking all sad. And I, I, like you, I don't normally have sympathy for the monarchy. I don't think we should have one. But you cannot help but compare those two images of like the Downing Street booze parties in the basement, the suitcases of beer, the breaking of the swings. And then you've got this little old lady sitting on her own, can't even mourn her husband properly. Um, exactly. and that's 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 what's and you know, it, Boris is you know the, the the Tory party people they they go on about the, the Queen and the monarchy being a wonderful thing. And you think this is the same? These are the same guys that lied to the Queen a couple of years ago to yeah. parole Parliament illegally. They sent Jason Jacob Rees Mogg to lie to the Queen, and yet they they always go on about the Queen, you know, Queen and country and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and you think uh, how could Boris possibly go back to meet the Queen now? But that's the other thing that I'm thinking of. What is that? I mean, the audience, I don't know if, well, that story came out after Wednesday's audience yeah. with the Queen. But if they still have, I mean, just because in the... In well, he the can't crowd, go this Wednesday because he knows someone that's got COVID. Well, yeah, he knows somebody's aunt's hairdresser who's got COVID, so he can't go. But he's, you know, like the crowd is brilliant as a television program because what you see is the Queen's reaction to her prime ministers and, you know, mm. some she loves and other ones she finds hard work. Um and you're just, I mean, the crown won't go up and cover this period, obviously, but no. you just wonder, like, the eye rolling is, if the Queen eye rolled at the thought of Margaret Thatcher coming round. I know. Goodness, old Well, knows. it's funny you say that. We were watching The Queen last night, as in the Stephen Frears film with oh, Michael right, yeah, Sheen. Yeah, yeah. To- I, I, Julie and I had never watched it before. Well, I mean, we were just well. looking for something to watch last night, and we ended up watching the whole thing. And it just, I was thinking that too. I was thinking, you know, watching her Every time, um, every time she was told on oh, the prime minister's on the phone, she'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> and, you know." But it's like that was Tony Blair, who she had a seemed to have a pretty good relationship with. Um, you think what must it be like now when Boris phones her up to apologise? The thing is, you know, Boris has never phoned the Queen up to apologise. Oh no, it wasn't. I mean, one of the interesting things about that is he, he'll have he told did... he'll have told Wilfred to do it. Yeah, yeah, he will. <laughs> but, but the thing is, apparently, the spokesperson. The, the, the journalist doubled down and went, what exactly was number 10 down the street apologising for? Exactly. Yeah. And, and he was like, this. What, what do you mean by this? 
this. This is what yeah. we're apologizing for. Yeah. The situation. What well, situation? that's the thing. That's the thing. You and I, well, you and I, as English teachers, know sometimes about how words are used very carefully. And when you when you actually read a transcript of Boris's apology on Wednesday, he mm. wasn't apologizing. It, it was one of those kind of. It was like that time that Pretty Patel apologized that people were offended. Yes. She wasn't apologising for what she'd done. She was just apologising that people thought she'd done something wrong. And again, this was just, it was an apology that he, that, that this had all happened. It wasn't, yeah. I'm sorry I went to a party. I'm sorry that I facilitated parties at Downing Street where you guys were all suffering privations in your life. It was just, I mean, it always just sounds like, I'm sorry I get caught. Well, yeah. I'm sorry you found out what I did. And I'm really sorry that I'm having to, because we know that, you know, an hour after he made that apology, Several people were saying that he was in the tea room at Downing Street, going on about how he was raging that he'd had to apologise and he'd had to take the flak for these stupid civil servants that were misbehaving and not him. Not and we've him. talked about Operation Save Big Dog. I mean, he's they're basically they're drawing up a list of all the senior civil servants they can sack so yeah. that he can keep his job. And that's all that's all he cares about is that he keeps his job. And and, and when you actually look at the policy in, in Operation Save Big Dog, it's get the military or the, one presumes the Royal Navy into the channel to push back migrants. Mm -hmm. It's to um, freeze the license fee. To, so basically, you know, mm -hmm. they fund another two billion pounds off from the BBC. Um, it's the leveling up agenda is going to be released in the next couple of weeks. Although when you dial down into that, there's no money for it. I mm -hmm. mean, all of these things are absolutely terrifying. Oh, that he's going to remove all COVID restrictions yeah. again. Um, and also one presumes and one thinks that as, as party to that, either the PCR tests are going to go or the lateral flow tests are going to go. One of them is going to go. Mm. Uh, and you're just kind of like, this is all ultra Brexit right wing stuff Yeah. to try and get all the back benches on side. This is not the thing that just after a global pandemic where the one, the most trusted and indeed when we were all locked in our houses and we couldn't go anywhere, the BBC saved an awful lot of people from extreme loneliness mm. and also provided free education. Yeah. You know, all those, all that homeschooling stuff that they did, you know, they've somehow managed to continue to create quality programming during the lockdown. And yet somehow you're going to defund them from, you know, two billion pounds and actually come out and say by 2027, the license fee's gone. So basically, yeah. the BBC's over. That is your way of saving Boris Johnson. I mean, it's terrifying putting the Royal Navy in the channel mm -hmm. to push back migrants. Like, that's not going to result in a disaster at some point. No. Not through the Royal Navy's fault, who are, you know, and, and that's the thing you have to say about our military, generally very but you know the well run. But, but, but do you know the sad thing is it'll work? It'll work down south. But it'll work it down south for two months. And then, and then we'll more stories will come out. Yeah. And then more stories will come out as well about more exactly. things that he's done. And that's the thing is all of this stuff is to get, like you said, you said earlier on, it's to get him through the day. It's to keep him yeah. in the job. It's that's not... all it is. It's kick it into the, the, the long grass. That's all it ever is with Boris. It's yeah. like, what can I get away with this this week, this month, um, these next three months? And that's all he thinks is like, can I just do this? And what, what I found really horrible, you were talking about the day before he apologised and he was asked... He was at some kind of factory and he was wearing his white coat as he always is <laughs> in these occasions. And he was asked about the stuff and it was the, you know, we'll wait until Sue, and we'll wait for Sue Gray, we'll wait for the investigation by Sue Gray. It's, the, it's that knowing 
kind of grin, that kind yeah. of winking grin that he does above camera. And you're like, he knows he's lying. He knows we know that he's lying. And he, he still gets away with it. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. He doesn't even pretend. He doesn't even pretend to care. He's not even high. I mean, he did briefly when he was doing PMQs on, on Wednesday. He did kind of. He was. He tried to strike a softer, you know, more apologetic tone. Yes. But see, when you watch, if you because I watched it myself and I recorded it so that my wife could watch it later. So I sat and watched it twice. I don't know why because it annoyed me the first time and it annoyed me even more <laughs> the second time. But the, the, when he gives his last answer to Keir Starmer. When he sits down, he just looks like an angry wee boy that's been given a punishment yes. exercise by a teacher. That's it. He's got his arms folded and he just looks like a wee boy that's been told off for something that he thought he should be allowed to do. And that's yeah. basically what it is. And then his behaviour afterwards in the tea room at Downing Street does not surprise me no. at all. And, and, and the worst part about it is, is, you know, one of the things that, I mean, we've, we've spoken on this podcast before is that for some reason far, far exceeding his, his, his crimes and misdemeanours is I have a bugbear about Gordon Brown. And you know, yeah. the last if the last eleven years has told me anything, it's that I was way too harsh on Gordon Brown. <laughs> you feel like we were all way too harsh on even David Cameron and Theresa May when you look at Boris. Yeah, I mean, you do you look back at every single prime minister. I mean, wow. Thatcher, Thatcher was different. She was evil in a different way. But you yeah. just, in terms of incompetence and rubbishness, oh. we've there's just there's nothing like it. And I don't think history will remember him well. At, no matter how he likes to think he'll be remembered, I do not think he'll be remembered as this Churchillian guy that got us through the the pandemic. No, because this I, stuff, the, the picture of the Queen, that is the thing that's going to haunt them. People yeah. are just going to go. Do you remember that time that you were partying, or your your staff were all partying because you said they could? The Queen was sitting alone at a church. The other thing her. is, the, the other thing that we haven't got to yet in terms of the the story is that if he does Operation Save Big Dog and all this kind of stuff, Sue Gray's report comes out and mm. she basically says, I can't judge whether there's criminality and for some reason, because the Metropolitan Police are weird, they turn around and go, well, there's no way, well, she hasn't said there's any criminality, so therefore there's not. Is that it will all go away, but so far there hasn't been a single photo, a proper photo, yeah. a candid photo, a selfie. You see... That they were talking, thing. see I wonder because they were talking to Pippa Creer, you know the editor of the Mirror, mm-hmm. who's been doing the rounds a lot this week because they broke a lot of these stories. Yeah. And she was talking about, they were, they were asking her what else could still be on the horizon and she said well you know we don't have any photographic evidence yet and I was thinking I bet they're sitting on that. Yeah. I and I bet that. they're sitting on a lot of stuff until after the Sue Gray thing. I reckon we'll get the Sue Gray thing, it'll go away for a few days and then more stories will come out and then because that's what did for Hancock was the video of him, yeah. that Alan Partridge video of him like snogging that woman in his office. Yeah. And I don't believe that, I mean, one of the things that we, we talk about number 10 staffs, in my mind, I've got kind of still that yes, Prime Minister, sort mm. of, you know, middle-aged men type thing, but it's not a lot of these, I mean, a lot of these men, because it is quite mostly men, I think, working in number 10 down the street, are dressing like they're in their 20s when they're probably in their mid to late 30s. But yeah they're of a generation where photographs are taken absolutely yeah Uh, and i don't believe there wasn't a video taken of somebody swinging on wilfred's swing no i bet that's somewhere that's why they'll have been doing it they'll be doing it for instagram exactly yeah but they can't put it on instagram so they've got a whatsapp group that they've all put it in and what and, and that's the other thing is you fire these civil servants and if these civil servants were at those parties they have an they will have an axe to grind and, uh, and, and do you know what they'll do game. on Wednesday Boris will not be there he'll say he's isolating and they'll stick another 
junior minister up for questions. And it'll just, it'll be the usual. They'll just say, well, we'll wait for Sue Gray. We'll wait for Sue Gray. Well, the other thing I about... just say, I, I just, I just feel like there are so I know he only gets six questions, but there were a lot of simple questions that he could have asked on Wednesday. That, that even I don't have a legal mind. But when Boris said, "I thought it was a work event," I'm really sorry. Case Starmer should have just said, "Was your wife there?" Just that. Was your wife there? And was she drinking? Because that's a number of the BBC journals have said Carrie was there and she was drinking G and T at this event that Boris apologised for. Mm-hmm. Now, if the wife was there and she was drinking G and T, how could he think it was a work event? Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's her, uh, well, one of the Tories has come out and said, well, it's her garden. Where do you expect to be? Locked in her house. Well, the rest dog. of us. <laughs> Which is hilarious because that's what the rest of us were doing at that time. <laughs> Which is kind of... But anyway, we, we have gone almost 30 minutes of, oh, yes. um, of anger. Because it was funny, as before we started recording this um, yesterday and, and the day before when I was thinking about us recording this, I was like, do you know what? It might be quite a merry podcast because, you know, it looks like the Wicked Witch might be on his way out. And then, actually, it's just anger at the moment. I haven't gone. I haven't moved to acceptance yet. Uh, no anger. Uh, but anyway, we need to finish on that positive, like we like to do. So, any anything goody in television, films, books, music, anything you've got for us, ballet, opera, whatever you. Well, like. you know me. I'm a big fan of the ballet. <laughs> um, not really. I mean, I've been. Uh, I've just finished reading every single Stephen King book last year, ah, as you yes. know, which I managed. I only had about six hours to spare when I read my last, I finished my last book. So That's amazing. I, I quite enjoy the fact that I'm not reading. I mean, I love Stephen King. That's why I did it. But it's nice that I've read about 12 or 13 books this year and I haven't picked up a Stephen King book yet, yeah, which is a really nice feeling. Um, I've just, I've, I don't know why. I just, well, I do know why, because there was a documentary about the 20th anniversary. I've just started rereading Harry Potter which I haven't done for a very long time. And I know J.K. Rowling is very much not uh, in favour with society just now, shall we say. Um, but I've just started, re- I've finished Philosopher's Stone and I'm on to the second one. I'm really enjoying Harry Potter. When did you last reread Harry Potter? I bet it's been a while. I mean, going back to the start, I, I mean, it's probably 15 years since I've, I've looked at Philosopher's Stone, certainly. I think I reread the last two um about six or seven years ago and, and thought they were excellent you know i mean i don't want to get into a culture war because it's not my purview i don't really you know but no i'm still a fan of her writing when the next no. G- robert galbraith book comes out I'm yeah gonna be buying I'll, it. I'll still read her but i mean I, I i don't i mean i don't pay enough attention to what she's been saying or what she's you know her, and i know that there are a lot of people in uh certainly in the transgender community who do not like her attitudes and the things that she said but you know then that opens up the whole debate of like can you separate an artist from the art they produce yeah um, and, but... and i think we've discussed enough even mm. on this podcast to a very limited extent is that we we often can mm-hmm. well we did it with michael jackson yeah <laughs> so exactly. we analyze michael jackson's over without uh thinking about all the awful things in his private life that we, yeah. we do know details about but what about you any any kind of new stuff you want to recommend to us there's not a huge amount of new stuff um i've I'm into this whole Disney Plus thing. <laughs> yeah, the thing that I've been telling you for, like you were with Apple TV. Yeah, yeah. you've discovered Disney Plus. And, and one, the only thing from, I mean, genuinely, I haven't really got into much new stuff this year This year yet. There's a whole load of good stuff, actually, that's on the BBC at the moment, which I haven't just haven't got around to. Uh, but 
I'm a big fan of the new reboot, and I don't like reboots. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've, I don't think I've ever got into one before. But they've rebooted the Wonder Years. All right, I haven't watched that yet on Disney Plus. Is it good? Yeah, it is good. I mean, it's it's not quite in its full swing yet. We're only on episode three or four, right. um, so you don't still don't have that. But for the first time, one of the great things about the Wonder Years, the original with Fred Savage in it was that um, it was this very funny story about when when I was watching it, I was about 12, 13, 14 years old. Uh, and even though it was set in the 60s, so you had that nostalgia element for the parents, but for me, it, because it's a coming-of-age story, and it had the ability to make you laugh and almost, if not, make you cry as well. Mm-hmm. And the episode four, I think, is one I've just watched, and... Um, it's an African-American family now. Yeah. It's set in the South. Um, so, it's, so it's a very different style of show. Can I just ask, when well, is it set? 1968 still. It's still oh, set still in the 60s. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and it pretty much, I very nearly cried watching this oh. week's episode. So I do think it's it's got a bit of power about it. So I do right. like that. Um, I finally also, viewers will know about this because I think we've spoken about it on the pod itself, is that Obviously, with Disney Plus, there's the Get Back Beatles documentary. Mm-hmm. And I watched two hours of the first episode yesterday because I was working. I had to work yesterday afternoon. So right. unlike Downing Street, where they get drunk, I worked whilst also having the television on. I thought that was sort of back in Alien enough. Um, and I watched two hours of that Beatles documentary. And I was like, yeah, this is good and all, but there is no way in the world I can face another seven hours of this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean it, is, it's it is long. Watching Paul do great get get back, you yeah. know, like everyone said, it's absolutely fascinating in glorious Technicolor and you can see them and it looks modern and it looks new. But uh, yeah, that's enough for me. I thanks. think it requires a certain amount of spare time. My work life balance allows me to do that just now because yeah. I only work certain days of the week. I work less days than you. Yeah. I work less hours than you. Yeah, and I have times where I can just sit and. I mean, this is a man who read <laughs> seventy six Stephen King books last year, um, <laughs> and I've already read about thirteen books this year. Yeah, already... no, I was going to say you're you're streaking ahead of me. I'm at three, so you know. Uh... Well, that was that's the one thing I could read because we're not really able to talk about it because it's a book you recommended to me last year, Mayflies yeah. by Andrew Ho- Andrew O'Hagan. I would definitely re- recommend that if someone's looking for a good book. Oh, it's brilliant. And if you do happen to come from our neck of the woods... It's even uh, better. Yeah, it West mentions Scotland. Largs and it mentions Seamill, where we, where we both come from. Yeah, and there's a lot of... Yeah. Huge chunk of it set in Irvine, which is just very mm. close to where we grew up. Yeah. So. No, it's a great... But it's a, it's, a, it's a really... It's a book of two halves. The first half is them going to this music festival in Manchester, which is yeah. kind of mental. And the second half is dealing with, basically, a friend with a terminal illness and it's lovely yeah. it's really moving it's just a really 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 good book really yeah. liked it and Love it's it. one i'll definitely be reading again probably within the end of the year yeah it's a brilliant book it's it's i was i was sort of looking at all the books that i've read over the past couple of years that i've basically got not got enough room for and they're going to charity shops yeah. and stuff. but yeah. that was one that I oh, that's one I'll, that's one i would shelf. keep yeah you know, definitely but anyway listener uh, yeah thanks for yeah. listening Hopefully next time we speak to you, we well, we won't have a new Prime Minister, but maybe we're on the way to getting the wonders of Jeremy Hunt or Pretty Patel or Liz Truss or, oh my word. Oh, can you imagine Liz Truss as Prime Minister? Imagine <laughs> how funny that would be. Oh my word. It does make you, 
oh bamboozled by our country but anyway mm. take care of yourselves listener be safe and uh, we'll speak to you soon bye bye happy new year bye, bye.